The Daily Tap is live for Friday. It is March 31st. Happy birthday to my main man, Seth, uh, the original Big Cat. Not actually, but he was Big Cat before Barstool Big Cat, but after Big Cat from Fantasy Factory. So he's kind of in the middle. Guess he is the sandwich Big Cat, if you will. Uh, But happy birthday to BC. Uh, we have a good show today. We're going to talk about questions from the Bucks drubbing uh, from the Boston Celtics. 140-99, a shit pumping by the Boston Celtics to the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll talk about that game a little bit. We'll also talk about should Marquette fans root for UConn in the NCAA tournament this weekend with the Final Four and then subsequently the National Championship game. We will then... Talk a little bit about the Brewers. Just quick thoughts, quick, quick, maybe overreactions, maybe underreactions. Things to think about. It's game one of 62, 162. It's a long way to go this season. Rome's not built in a day. Uh, they did lose, which sucked. Made for a bad day. And then I'm going to rank sausages at the end because I've had a bad day. Uh, before I get going, just a reminder, follow us on social media. Tappy the Keg on Twitter. Tappy the Keg Sports on Instagram as well as TikTok and Facebook. For that matter, a lot of discussion today. The engagement was popping today. So appreciate all of y'all for that. Uh, Make sure that you are rating and reviewing if you are already subscribed. If for some reason you are not subscribed, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're wherever else you get your podcast. If you don't want to leave a rating, I understand that. I get it's a little tedious. Drop us in the group chat. Say, hey, listen listen to what they have to say about Celtics and Bucks. Listen to what they have to say about the Brewers. Listen to what they have to say a little bit about the Final Four this weekend. I think that we do it better than a lot of people right now in the city of Milwaukee. City of Milwaukee is desolate for sports talk radio. Some of them do okay, and I respect all of them, but it is not where it needs to be in terms of a full circumference of sports talk. It is one thing or another. They can only talk Packers. They can only talk, you know, a little bit of box. They can, they just aren't as informed as they need to be. We come to the table every fucking day with it. And I hope you guys appreciate that. I appreciate you. Let's get going. Let's ask some questions about Bucks and Celtics. Before we actually do, uh, not to prelude it, prelude it, any prolong it, prolong it, any, well, however I want to say that, I'm, I'm not doing it, doing it justice. I do want to say there are certain days that are just shitty, right? We all have bad days, right? Whether it's sports bad days, overall bad days, or a combination of both. And I think when it's a combination of both, it really fucking sucks. Like last week, even though Marquette was not in the Sweet 16, I was giddy to do the podcast last sat last Thursday Thursday night. Now, granted, was I a little more drunk than I am today? Yeah, probably. But was I also kind of buzzing off of an amazing day of Sweet 16 basketball? Yes, very true. Didn't have that today. Had the Bucks get blown out by 40. Had the Brewers get shut out. Had kind of a bad day on the personal side of things. And you accumulate that all into one. And it was a fucking bag of shit today. So I'm like, do I really want to do this podcast? Do I just want to go to bed, take some NyQuil, and zonk out for the next few hours and check in with you guys in the morning? Yeah, kind of. But I also wanted to get it out there because I've said in the past when I've been down and I've had down moments, I've talked about it on the podcast. You can go back and listen. Uh, one of the things that I probably did that was maybe the most therapeutic was like therapy was when I was unemployed and talking about how Kobe's death kind of motivated me to get out of this rut that I was in. And I would honestly, like, it was just, you listen to all these stories about Kobe and his drive and it it just pulled me out of this really bad funk I was in. 
uh, early part of July, 2020, January 2020, excuse me, not, not July. But like, yeah, man, like, I've, so I've been down here before. Now, am I that bad? No, no, not in the slightest. I just had a bad day, right? Uh, it's Friday tomorrow, Friday today. It, it's going to be 60. Yeah, it's going to storm tonight, which not going to be great. Hopefully everybody stays safe. Uh, but at the same time, like, it'll be fine. Life moves on. One bad day does not define it. You'll go. You'll try to go one and zero the next day. I realize that sounds like it's from a Pinterest board, but that's the case. But sometimes we have to talk about the shitty days in sports, and we have to just kind of go through it, and power through it. And that's why I'm doing a salsa drinking at the end because yeah, bad day. And, you know, just want to have some fun at the end of it and let let loose. So, but let's talk about the shittiness and start with the Milwaukee Bucks. We came into this evening expecting because the Bucks put up a fight. It was their fifth game in seven days, but it was a big one against the Boston Celtics. It was a measuring stick game for both teams. It was a game that should have mattered. And it, it did matter in the sense of when they tipped the ball off. Celtics started to inch away at the end of the first quarter, and it didn't seem like really the Bucks had the legs or the Bucks had the drive to be dialed in as they should have been for this game. And the Bucks just wanted to have a night off. And the Celtics didn't let them they were relentless all game long. The Celtics hit him in the mouth and the Bucs didn't really know how to respond to that. And they, but they were a wounded fighter coming into this. They were not a fighter that was ready to go. It was like the old, if you remember, like when, I can't remember a specific like match that it was. I know Stone Cold Steve Austin was in a match where he got screwed out of a title belt because he had to fight twice in a night. I think it was like, it was maybe The Rock and then Triple H. Might not have been that intense. Someone who knows wrestling a little bit more could fact check me on this. But like there were those moments where it's like, okay, now you have to go in the ring again against somebody or like a money in the bank challenge or something like that. Basically what I'm trying to say is the Bucks were not at 100%. And yet again, they get screwed against the Boston Celtics. Now I realize the schedule is the schedule, but it sucks that we were never able to see the Bucks and Celtics both at full strength. The first game they played on Christmas Day, they didn't have their guys. But also, what's forgotten is the Bucks were in the midst of a fucking long road trip. They were on a, I think, a six-game road trip. They were just they finished it up in Chicago that Wednesday night after it, and it was it was not great. Bucks were not were really struggling at that point in the season too. Uh, they had losing to Boston. They had losing to Chicago. They had lost to Brooklyn on the Friday night before. Then they'd play them again. And in that game, Bucks were pretty spry, pretty healthy, didn't have a, a back-to-back, and the Celtics fucking ducked him. Celtics didn't want to play him. And then tonight, Celtics saw a wounded deer, and they shot it down, and they took care of business. And credit to them for doing that. They deserve credit for smelling blood in the water and, and really getting after it early and often and not waiting till the end. And so for the last two weeks with Denver and Boston, Milwaukee has been robbed robbed of those opportunities to play these teams at full strength. And, it, and that's just the shitty part of the NBA schedule. And I really think it's something that Adam Silver needs to seriously consider in next season, next season and beyond. So let's ask some questions about the game. We have five of them for you. Um, and I'm sure there are more, but these are five I came up with. If you have more, feel free to ask him on Twitter, Tabby the Keg, Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram. Number one, are you worried about playing the Celtics in the playoffs? No, I'm not. I, I really am not. I, I Look, Celtics and Bucks are probably the two best teams in the NBA. I think the Bucs are better than the Celtics. I realize if somebody puts the, the Celtics out of the Bucs, the power rankings, 
I get it. Makes sense, right? You beat us. That That's understandable. But I really look at these as the two best teams in the NBA. I don't think the West has anybody. I think the West is a Mickey Mouse league at this point. I mean, you had Chris Maddox today saying that he thought that the Lakers could win the West, which feels ridiculous to me. I, and, he, and he used Austin Reeves as the third part of the big three. I'm like, Austin Reeves? Like, Austin Reeves is a solid player. But he's being made out like he is the next great white hope. Like, he's Larry fucking Bird. And it's just because he plays the Lakers. And this bizarre free throw discrepancy with the Lakers. They have over 400 more free throws than their opposition. Like, it is really weird how the NBA seemingly is trying to get this team into the playoffs. So will the free throw discrepancy go away? Now, I will push back. I'll argue against myself what I do a lot when I have a solo pod. That some teams in college basketball, you'll see it if you're looking at like Ken Pop numbers and stuff. They get to the free throw line a lot. And, but there are also teams who don't follow. I don't think every NBA team is a bad following team. So I don't know. It's a it's a little wacky. But back to Bucks and Celtics, like I think there are two best teams in the league. I think that's the NBA Finals. Just like the Brooklyn series was in 2021. This is it'll be a war. It will be a definite fight between the Bucks and the Celtics come playoff time. Do I feel like the Bucs can still win that series? Absolutely. If the Bucs lose home court and the Bucs end up being the two seed, I still think the Bucs can get there. Because I, I just believe in this team. I know when they're firing on all cylinders, they are a really great bunch. And I've seen it against good teams. I've seen it against bad teams. I know that the Bucs are not going to suddenly crumble and fall apart. I, I believe in this team. I believe in you know what they look like at their peak. And I think a lot of people also do. And Boston has had moments, you know, moments where they get small, they get tight. They were they looked like a mess against Washington, and then they picked it right back up against the Bucks. You could argue that that Washington loss was the best thing that happened to the Celtics, because it's like the Celtics need this jolt of energy, where it's like they lose to a bad team, and then they're like, "Oh shit, we gotta play again." And then they 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 figure it out for a couple of games. They lose to a bad team. They're a little lackadaisical against the teams they're supposed to beat, but against the against the bat, good teams like the Bucks, they are they're dialed in, they're focused, and so I, I do wonder: Will you keep that focus for seven games? I also wonder about Joel Mazzula. Joel Mazzula in the in the playoffs is not going to be anything special. I've said that for a while. I've st- stood on that hill. That the reason why I can't trust Boston is because of their coach. If they had MAU Doka there, and I realize why they can't, I'd be much more worried about Boston. But when it comes to the coaching matchup, I think Mike Budenholzer still has an edge. We're going to talk about Bud in one of our other questions. Do the Celtics have Giannis figured out? So the Celtics have done a really good job on Giannis Antetokounmpo. I cannot ignore that. That, that, is, that is a fact. Frank Madden pointed this out on Twitter, uh, who's great, former Brew Hoop guy. He still does locked on Buck stuff. Celtics have now held held Giannis to less than 50% from the field in five straight games, going back to games six and seven of the playoffs, eight of 10 overall. Best combination of talent and scheme we've seen against Giannis in recent years. Nobody does a better job of exposing the lack of touch outside the RA, which is the restricted area. So, that's very interesting. Um, I I really, I, I really, that part concerns me slightly. 
That part means you're going to need more from Drew Holiday. You're going to need more from Chris Middleton. You're going to need more from Brooke Lopez. And Giannis is going to have to accept that maybe he needs to be more of a facilitator. That he can't necessarily do it all. And that's a really hard thing to tell the best player in the NBA. But sometimes teams just have you figured out. And I don't think Giannis has unlocked that puzzle. Now, we're going to ask another question and maybe there's something to this going forward. But I do think that they're going to need to find other ways to free up Giannis. And this is also on the coaching staff. Maybe a little more off-ball Giannis. Maybe a little more Giannis running for quick alley-oops or Giannis posting up or doing things to free Giannis, pick and rolls, right? Like making sure that maybe Giannis has the ball less and it's more about Giannis getting fed the ball than Giannis being the facilitator. I, I think that is all important. And I think that is a big challenge for the Bucks coaching staff if there is a Boston-Milwaukee series. Because yeah, they've done a really good job on Giannis Antetokounmpo. They did a good job again tonight. Boston fans don't like have respect Giannis, know it's tough to play Giannis, but also they've done a pretty good job. And yes, if Rob Williams were to get hurt, who is a, a glass person, if he were to get hurt, does that change things? Sure. Is Rob Williams the complete difference maker? No. Is Grant Williams the complete difference maker? No. It's the sum of all parts that they're able to throw at onto the Kumba. And so I, I do worry about that slightly. I might not worry about the playoff matchup because I think the Bucs can figure it out. I do worry a little bit on do they have Giannis's number. Third question I have is, is Bud potentially playing rope and dope with the Celtics? What do I mean by that? couple things. First of all, in the second game, the, they had none of their starters in, right? So why would Bud show anything against the second unit of the Boston Celtics? Number one. Number two, Chris Middleton had mentioned to TMJ earlier this week that, yeah, we're going to be a little vanilla this week, knowing that we're playing these, we're probably going to see these teams in the playoffs. Speaking to Boston, Philadelphia, maybe even Chicago. I don't think the Bucs have shown a lot against the Celtics. I think they are keeping their cards close to the vest. I, I've i gone back to this, and I, I'm sorry for bringing this up consistently. I brought up more with Jokic. But Kirk Goldsberry talked about how in the playoffs, they were able to focus on James Harden because they were facing one opponent. He was he was a scout for San Antonio. Uh, it might have been advanced analytics, doesn't matter. And how they were able to hone in on James Harden when the playoffs came around. I feel like the Bucks coaching staff will be a lot better in terms of what we talk about freeing up Giannis in terms of how do we how do you get open looks? How do you hit shots? How do you make sure that you know you're taking easy ones with the little things that they're doing? Now is everything going to get figured out by your coaching staff? No, right? You can't prepare for Marcus Smart to have a random night where he makes six threes, okay? But I I do wonder is there a little bit of gamesmanship here for Mike Budenholzer where he doesn't want to show everything and wants to make sure that there are things that haven't really been seen before, lineups that haven't been seen before. You know, Grayson Allen still starting against Boston makes no fucking sense in the slightest. I, I don't know how many more times Mike Budenholzer has to see Grayson Allen against the big wing before he understands that Grayson should be out there. Pat Conson didn't play most of this game, which I thought was interesting until it got to garbage time. I think that's purposeful. I think that's a step in the right direction. If you want to take a, a positive 
from this game. I think one of it is Pat Connaughton not playing much. Because Pat's been bad. And as much as I think we loved Pat's run in 2021, he's had a bad year. And he definitely, could he have a bounce back to playoffs? Maybe. But usually when you have a bad year, it doesn't all of a sudden figure itself out in the playoffs. So I do wonder if there is a little bit of rope and dope for Mike Budelzer. And if he's just sort of lying in the weeds slightly. Now the Bucs could be incompetent against Celtics and that would be an issue. I really do think it is a check mark against Bud if you were to lose a series to a rookie coach like this. Rookie coaches usually don't get very far in the finals, right? You saw it with Ty Lue, right? Uh, but you don't, you don't usually see it. Usually at some point, the rubber beats the road. And so if for some reason it's not against the Bucs, I think that would be terribly frustrating. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if what, what's up this sleeve. We'll see if, if that is in fact true. Let's move on to a couple other questions. Is this game any different if the Bucs do not play five games in seven days? Yes. Totally. 100%. If this was the first game of a back-to-back, like even if the Bucs had Wednesday off, like right, let's say they play Indiana tomorrow. They play Indiana on Friday. If the Bucs were at home tonight and they had two days off, they got smacked like this with a couple days off, that would raise major concerns for me. That I'd be like, okay, there isn't really that many excuses. There aren't, there aren't many excuses for what happened, right? And I look at it and I just, I can't move past the fact that this has been a really rough stretch of games for the Bucs and you ended it with the Celtics. The one team you probably did not want to see in this time. And I'm pretty convinced that the Bucs could have played San Antonio tonight and I think they would have lost. Like, I don't think they're beating anybody today. They just did not play well. Remember the UConn game, which we were going to talk about UConn and Marquette in a second, when UConn beat Marquette uh, in in Connecticut. And I said that night after the pod, I said, there was no team in the nation that would beat that would beat the UConn Huskies. That they were the best team in college basketball that day. That's kind of the opposite for the Bucs. There was no team worse than the Milwaukee Bucks today. That anybody could have been out there against the Bucs and they would have beat them by 20. They just did not want to play. And now... A question to the question, should the Bucs have sat guys tonight? Maybe. If that's how tired they were, they probably should have. They probably should have rested everybody. But I think there is a desire for the Bucs to A, show up for the fans, and B, they're kind of above the fray. They don't do that kind of shit. Budenholzer really doesn't do that. He does some load management, but not a ton. Last question. Does this actually help the Milwaukee Bucks? I think it does. I think this adds fuel to your fire. I don't think this is something that you forget in the playoffs. I think you remember it. Does it motivate Boston a little bit? I heard Reggie Miller talk about how, oh, they know they can win here. And and like, like you know, they, they won game six here. Now, granted, it was all Jason Tatum, but they still they still won it here. Like, they still won that game. So, like, that doesn't, that doesn't all of a sudden go away. This, that that team was very similar to what we saw what we saw tonight right so so what's like what are we doing there with that commentary uh and I, I there were some interesting quotes I thought from both Antetokounmpo as well as drew Holiday I'll pull them up from Eric name here Giannis said this about if they had concern about playing the Celtics in the playoffs if you don't play hard 
if you don't go out there and make it tough for them, they're going to kick your ass. Simple as that. It's up to us to see how we're going to deal with it. Say it right there. That's the motivation. The Bucks know. The Bucks know this team's good. This team is not their kryptonite. I don't think I don't want to go that far. There might be some Celtics fans that pump their chest and say they're not going to lose. I know Portner got all excited. Uh, good for him. Congrats uh, on winning the regular season. You know, two to one over over the Bucks. Good for you. Drew Holiday also said this. I feel like we were we were focused on this game. Then we came out and kind of shitted the bed. And when I say that, I mean, we didn't play to the best of our ability. We didn't play as well as we could. And so, yeah, I, I think I think there is a lot there for the Bucs where they know. They know what they did, right? It's like your dog who pees on the, on the carpet. He or she knows exactly what they did. They, they understand that this can be motivation. Holiday also had a quote, which uh, I don't think... Name had this. Gabe Stoltz, who does stuff for Brew Hoop, had it. So I'll pull up Gabe's tweet up. Shout out to Gabe. He's a good guy. Uh, Drew had this about any concerns in the playoffs, too. So this is the same question that was to Giannis. No, we've seen him in the playoffs before. Obviously, regular season does mean something, but playoffs are a completely different beast where you lock in the players more individually. You get to lock in the teams and schemes more individually. You get a chance to bounce back. I feel like even last year, even playing against other teams like Brooklyn two years ago, we lost by 40. Matter of fact, first game we lost by 20. Second game we lost by 40. At the end of that series, we ended up on top. We do look at the regular season as an accomplishment at the end of the day. If we ha- if we happen to meet them in the playoffs, again, we'll lock in differently. And again, playing a, a seven-game series is completely different. That's it right there. I mean, the Brooklyn stuff came to mind. I- I'm not going to lie. I was going to actually put it in the review, and I-, I didn't. But remember that Brooklyn series? We threw dirt. We were ready to hire Rick Carlisle. If you remember that. You could probably find our podcast. Make sure I did a podcast after they, they lost by 40 and they're down 2-0. We're all ready to just write off the Bucks. Then they win this mir- almost miraculous game where they, I don't even think they scored 90 points. They might have got to 90 to beat Brooklyn to survive a game game three. And then in game four, Kyrie goes down. The Bucks come back and you know pull away in the fourth quarter. And then Durant's incredible in game five that if Durant isn't what he is, the Bucs win that game. Then game six is, you know, Chris Middleton show and they grind another one out. Bruce Brown tried to be a hero. Shout out to Bruce Brown. And then game seven, you know, I mean, Durant foot on the line. Bucks were great. They found a way in overtime and won that game. That series was incredible. Like the Atlanta series was, had its own moments, but I don't think you just, like that, to me, and we could, this is definitely a summer topic, like middle of summer when nothing's going on, Brewers middle, middle of the year. But that to me might've been the best like sports timeline in my life. Like the, it's hard though. That 2010 Packers run is way up there. Like that 2010 Packers run is great. The 2003 Marquette Final Four run, I was young, but still really special. The Brewers 2018 run was cool. Although it, it, it did diminish a little bit for me because I was in London for the Rocky series. Uh, I still listening to every game. That was the cool thing about that. Because the Brewers and Rockies obviously weren't a premier game. The games were on at like 3 o'clock locally. So that meant in London they were on at like 9. And I was with my parents. So my parents would get done. We'd, we'd get done with our days in London. 
and ESPN Radio had it, and I could stream it and listen to the games. You know, and we were in like an Airbnb. I think we were in either VRBO or Airbnb. Doesn't matter. <coughs> and I was able to listen to the games uh, and just kind of waste the waste the evening away. So that was that was awesome. So I guess I we'll do that. That'll definitely be a topic. I'll try to try to keep that in mind for when we kind of have a day where not much is going on because those are all fun things to talk about. Uh, and it. And I feel like runs for basketball are like series, right? It's yes, you could say the cumulative run, but it's it is series that I feel like you almost want to rank those in a weird way and sort of go forward. But anyways, we could do that on another topic, another another day. We'll we'll have to see. But anyways, long story short on Celtics and Bucks, I'm I'm not worried, man. You can freak out. I'm not going to. It was a shitty schedule game. It's Definitely a potential schedule loss. You hate to say that against the Celtics. It sounds like loser talk. In retrospect, the Bucs should have probably rested a bunch of guys. But we move on, and we'll see them in the in what will be the pseudo-NBA Finals, likely, in the Eastern Conference Finals come late May, early June. Moving on to the... Well, it's the UConn Huskies, but it's the mindset of the Marquette Golden Eagles fans. So UConn, a Big East brethren, is playing on Saturday night against Miami in the Final Four. As we talked about yesterday with Mitch, we could go listen to 5-1 if you haven't. Wish that was the national championship. Those are probably the two best teams that are left, and they are going at it instead in the Final Four. Uh, you would have heard, had the same conversation had Texas held on. Uh, but yeah. UConn has a chance to win their fifth final, fifth championship in 25 years. UConn would get back to the mountaintop where they've been so many times before. And it would be their third national championship in that 25-year time span with a new coach. Jim Calhoun, Kevin Ollie, and now Dan Hurley. So as Marquette fans, should we want UConn to win? It's a good question, right? I think part of it is Marquette was the last team to beat UConn. So you could take that in a lot of different ways, right? You could take that in the sense that UConn is, you should have, you maybe done better, right? You should have found your at least way to New York, whether you beat Kansas State or not, is up to the hypothetical gods. So you have that part of it, right? You also have the part of, it's a kind of a crowded achievement. You kind of look back at it and say, yes, we were the ones that did it. And it looks good for the Big East. And ultimately, it is a win for the Big East if UConn were able to finish it off. And it would be the cherry on top to what's been an already great march for the Big East. You could argue the Big East, besides Conference USA, has owned this tournament and owned the headlines, right? With... The UConn run, where they've looked dominant as ever, they have not been challenged. That's that's the other part of this, right? Like, UConn's been so, so fucking good, really from the start. So that's number one. Number two, you have Rick Pitino, you have Ed Cooley, Kim English, who's a potential young star. I'm not as high on Kim English, I think, as the national media is. He's nice to the media, just like Ed Cooley. So, of course, everybody's going to suck his dick. You find that out really quick. Who are the ones that are nice to the media and who aren't? 
Uh, Tim English, definitely one of those. Because uh, I look at that George Mason teams who, I don't know if you guys are like this, if you do a lot of college ba- basketball wagering, but there are certain conferences you locked in on. The A-10 was one for me. Like I was I was knee deep. I can tell you all about St. Bonaventures, Duquesne. Uh, Loyola was a great team to fade all year. Uh, Mountain West was another one I loved. Uh, if I got really go, actually like Conference USA, weirdly enough, like I, I really enjoyed betting Florida Atlantic all year uh, and North Texas for that matter. Uh, so it's it's very interesting to to see that all play out. It's like you're you're watching your your children almost in a weird way, uh, not to that extent, but it's like you're like, oh yeah, I knew about this, like I was on this early on. But anyways, to divulge from the point, like you, the Big East has this would be the last thing, and the Big East would be on the map. And Buzz Williams left Marquette because he thought the Big East would fail, and the Big East would be thriving. Now, I my buddy Dan Motch made a comment that he feels like the Big East will not get a good rating, a good TV deal upcoming. And if they don't get a good TV deal upcoming, it could lead to Big East members leaving and you could have another round of realignment. I hope that's not the case. I hope Dan is just being a pessimist. I do I know money talks. I get it. I know ratings haven't been that great. Although I will say, I think one of the frustrations with the Big East as a Power 5 school is not everybody has CBS Sports Network. My dad, I don't think, has it on basic cable. I think that needs to be a commitment to keeping it on Fox. I think if it's not on Fox, looking for somebody like an NBC or USA could have it on. Everybody has USA. If the NBC wanted more, more live sports, live sports very popular. If TNT wanted to continue their sports and have, you know, NBA on a couple days, but also have a little college basketball, maybe something like that. If a, I, I don't, I want to go as far as streaming because I don't think streaming is that successful. There, everybody's trying to make streaming work. That's why the NFL is, you know, bending over backwards to help Amazon, and which is crazy. And that's a totally a story I, I actually do want to talk about at some point. So maybe next week we'll. We'll talk about the Thursday night double games. We'll talk about the potential Thursday night flex. Because uh, I, I honestly think, not to be dramatic, but I think it's a watershed moment for football. Because I, I do think this might be the beginning of the end for football. And I know there's been so many moments like that, but I, I truly do believe that. So let me, let's kind of work that back back to the Big East where we get off track here. It helps Marquette's visibility if big, if UConn wins wins the championship. It makes those UConn games even bigger when they come or when they come to town next couple of years at least. You know, next year for sure. Like that UConn game will be a big fucking deal when the Huskies are in town. And we, you know, obviously you're at the mercy of a Big East schedule maker. But if you get that on a Saturday, you know, in January, maybe a night game, maybe a Fox primetime game, that would be a big fucking deal and as well as the year after right it's they're still a 2023 national champion that matters and that helps the conference the big east would then have a champion they would have i think they would have what four villanova and how many would jay Wright? The, but basically the big east the new big east would have a ton of national championships and really it's just the big east and the big 12 in terms of conference superiority for the last five to 10 years. 
And that's, I think, a big deal. So I'm not a huge UConn guy. I don't really like Dan Hurley. I like some of their players. Sonogo is a lot more fun to watch when he's not playing against your guys. Jordan Hawkins is a bucket. Uh, Cal Katerra, a little annoying, but I, I do appreciate a guy who's just wet from beyond the arc as well. Uh, Hawkins is great. Or not Hawkins, uh, Andre Jackson. I already talked about Hawkins. Andre Jackson I like. So like, I like the team. Uh, I don't like Dan Hurley at all. I, I still want to see Dan Hurley in a close game. I think Jim Laranaga is a better coach than Dan Hurley nine times out of ten. I think that's where Miami has it going. I just don't, I worry for Miami about Omir. I feel like the line is such a fucking trap. I think it's at five and a half or five. I feel like that, if it's five, I think I go UConn. I think it's it's weird because if it is six, that's too many points. But if it's five, I think it's just right. I I I have to look into it a little bit more, but the more I, I think about it, the more I think it's going to be UConn and San Diego State for the final. Uh, I have to, you know, I'll do my research, but that's, that's my initial lead. And I think that's why I said yesterday with Mitch. And so, yes, I, I think as you're a Marquette fan, you got to root for UConn. And you got to hope that they they pull it out. Even if they get they, even if they lose Saturday, still a good accomplishment for the Big East. Still will be a big deal when UConn comes to town. I think the game they had at Madison Square Garden made a rivalry. And I think UConn and Marquette's a real rivalry now. Also, other Marquette stuff uh, that... My guy KBO Rocks wanted me to talk about about the transfer portal and what's going on there. It's it's an interesting thing right now. Uh, you have Amarion Ellis who's in the portal. You have Kenyon Inarje who's also in the portal. Zach Wright still in the portal. Marquette now has one scholarship available, so Marquette can start looking around in the portal. There hasn't been a lot of notes around Marquette. They've looked at one kid from Charlotte who's like 67 but he is he is one of you know obviously many that you could probably look at Ali Khalifa uh, is his is his name he averaged 11 and 6 and 2 last season but there are a lot of teams that are looking at Ali Khalifa just like everything else I do hope that if Marquette were to look in the portal they have to they have to look at a big guy they have to get more size. UConn's not going to just suddenly shrink. You got to go after a big man. I think that is number one. Now, if Marquette looks at Oso and Ben and says, all right, we're going to put 10 pounds of muscle on Oso and Yadara and 10, and 10 to 15 pounds on Ben Gold, I could maybe buy into the fact that they don't need size, that they actually would be fine with another wing, another shooter. Um, I think another ball handler would be helpful. I, I like Sean Jones. I think Sean Jones is good, but I do worry sometimes about his size if he could if he could play for you know 20 to 25 minutes and maybe having another ball handler wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, having more shootings never gonna hurt, right? They have a lot of their bench right now. I think Chase Ross is only gonna get better. David Joplin uh, was great last year, six man. I expect. You know, kind of more from David Joplin next year. I think if he can kind of lose some of that baby fat, I think he could be really talented inside too. Almost like a Charles Barkley type. Not to put him in that same category. Small, undersized guy who can get rebounds, but also, you know, do a little work in the post as well. I don't have any portal-specific names for you. There's just so many, right? 
and Marquette hasn't been mentioned with any particular guys. Um, so at this point, it's really hard to be like, oh yeah, this is a guy that Marquette should be targeting, right? And that's where I look at it and I'm like, all right, where where does it go? Now, if you want to if you want to get a little interested on it, now he is a point guard, uh, but Ace Baldwin went was VCU guy. Uh, obviously, Mike Rhodes worked under Shaka Smart. Uh, Ace Baldwin's going to be wanted by a lot of people. Could you figure out a three-guard lineup with Ace Baldwin, Cam Jones, and Tyler Kolick? I don't know. Maybe a little undersized. Maybe that's streaming. You also have to think about what Marquette needs. Like, it's not fantasy land. And I think sometimes you see names and you're like, oh, that guy would fit, that guy would fit. And you're like, well, what makes really a lot of sense for this team? And I think what makes sense is either a big guy in the middle or a wing. Those are the two that I think make the most sense. Um, Penn State also obviously looking at Baldwin because that's where his coach is now, which makes all the sense in the world. So we'll have to see what happens. Uh, we'll have to see where Marquette goes. I don't think any of the core guys are leaving. I know there were some rumors about that. I feel like that has kind of trickled down. There hasn't been as much. I think the fact they know they're going to be a top five team next year, I think it's really hard to make a case on why you'd go somewhere else unless you really need the money. And I think if you really need the money, you probably talk to Marquette and try to figure out something and they would try to help you out. I know what Chagas comments were on the NIL, but I still think as a team who has 13 million in operating costs, they're going to find a way to take care of you if, if you're struggling. So I don't think that should be a problem. But yeah, it should be a fun off season. We'll talk a lot about expectations, maybe even next week as we get out of college basketball and head into you know more portal, more recruiting, and then get ready for what will be a very exciting next season with a ton of expectations when you had none the year prior, which is really hard. That is, that's the hardest thing, right? Is how do you how do you deal with that? And we'll have to see how how the Marquette Golden Eagles do. All right, let's wrap it up with the Milwaukee Brewers. Then we'll talk a little sausage at the end. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers lost the Chicago Cubs for the nothing. Really a similar start to last season when they started in Chicago. They lost five before in that game. Corey Burns did not play well that game. Uh, he also didn't pitch well in this one. Uh, he he had three strikeouts. He walked a bunch of guys. Was just not himself. And I understand that playing at Wrigley in the cold is tough. I'm willing to give Corbin Burns a slight bit of a break. Uh, but it was a disappointing start, to say the least. Uh, I saw a lot of the shit I saw last year. The lack of clutch hitting uh, was omnipresent, right? They were 0 for 5 with runners in scoring possession. Uh, they had a chance, of the, a great chance of the third inning. Could have got something going. Kind of frustrated Marcus Stroman. And they couldn't come up with a clutch. Uh, what Jesse Winker had a strikeout and then Ronnie Telez grounded into a double play uh, after I think a Willie Davis walk. So that's all not great. And then of course it comes to get four runs in the, the latter half of that inning because of course they do. Some of that was dumb, dumb stuff from Adamas uh, defensively where he throw, throws the ball away. He lackadaisically goes the second to cover uh, for the, what would be, would have been the final out of the inning. It allows another run to score. Willie last year played a lot with his head up his ass and it was still up his ass to start the year. That's not great. 
the bullpen was enjoyable. Uh, good first returns for Trislaki. Gus Farland got into a little bit of trouble, but got his way out of it. So love that. Javi Guerra, no complaints so far with any of any three of those guys. So that's a positive, right? Uh, Yelich looked okay at the plate. I don't think there's anything that notable about the Christian Yelich experience. He took two walks. Did he have a strikeout in the game? I'll, I have the box score up. He did have a strikeout. That's unfortunate. But two walks, we'll, we'll take it. We'll, t- we'll take two walks. Yeah, the only ones that really looked bad to play were Wilson Contreras or William. Again, I told you, I told you guys we're going to do that a lot. William Contreras, he didn't have a hit, but he didn't have three strikeouts. Uh, Jesse Winker just had three strikeouts and left two on base. Uh, so I, I do think there's a correlation, right? You're just trying you're trying to, you know, do something big for your new team. Just got to relax. Relax. Take it easy. Uh, and, yeah, the Brewers lose again to the Cubs, which they had – they had a lot of problems with last year. Also, wild. I just realized this because uh, I'm looking at the ESPN thing. The Brewers do not play the Cubs again after this weekend until July 3rd. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy that we go three months because of the new baseball schedule without playing the Chicago Cubs. So, yeah, that is uh, that's something else. Bryce Schrang looked pretty solid. Uh, so, that's that's a good good first start there, too. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Brewers lineup looks like against the lefty, uh, Justin Steele, on Saturday. No relation to Crystal. Uh, I checked that out, um, but no no relation there. Uh, I would imagine you'll still see Yelich. I would imagine Luke Voigt at DH. Damas, obviously, shortstop. I think Rowdy stays at first. Contreras, catcher. Do you go Brasso at third base for Luis Urias? Now, now you're, maybe Brasso at second. Your Urias at second, Brasso at third, Brian Anderson probably at right, Owen Miller then in center. Is that that would be quite the the lineup shakeup? But that would that seems like it would be it. I I don't have the exact lineup off the, off the top of my head, but it seems like that's how it would be. That your only two lefties would probably be Tal, uh, Ryan Telez and Chris Yelch, which I'm probably okay with. But we'll have to see what uh, Craig Council a.k.a. the Alchemist, comes up with. And then the Sunday game, for those curious, is I know it's Lauer against Jamison Tyon, uh, who just got a big contract from the Cubs. The Brewers hit up Tyon pretty good in Milwaukee last year as a member of the Yankees. I was at that game. They won that one. Uh, so hopefully they can repeat themselves and start the season off with a 2-1 and one, two and one start before opening day at American Family Field on Monday, which we'll probably talk about in more of the fun details, such as ranking sausages. But I have my annual hot take about opening day and tailgating that I will save for that. That's a tease. It's what they what we do in the business. But let's get in to ranking sausages. I used to do a thing called the tap list, uh, and I think it's something I would actually do if I like would drill myself down and be like, all right, every Friday, we're just doing a list. Or every every Monday, we're doing a list. Not Mondays because they're busy. But if I were to do a list, that's what I would call. So we are doing encased meats because it is sausage season. Baseball and sausages, there's just something great about them. I had a hot dog today. I was going to have two dogs. I decided that would be gluttonous. I had one dog. I then had a smorgasbord of barbecue uh, for dinner, after Tompkins let me down, 
Uh, no free shoutouts, as uh, Bustle with the Boys would say. But, man, uh, they didn't have online ordering at 7.15, which seemed crazy to me. Then I tried to call. Nobody answered. I was like, well, I'm not fucking calling again. So then I went to Double B's, which best barbecue to be in the city. Um, I don't know if you guys agree. It's on 74th and Greenfield. I really like it, though. Uh, and it, it holds decently as, like, takeout. You got. I had to like warm it up in the microwave for like thirty seconds, but I didn't lose any of the flavor, which is incredible. I just needed a little bit of heat. So yeah, Double B's seventy fourth in Greenfield. If you need a barbecue spot, uh, you can tell Charlie sent you. If you're like who's there, like who the fuck's Charlie? Be like, well, he does this podcast, having the kind of sports. Maybe you should look into it. He's a big fan. You and then that's how sponsorships work. Free advertising, baby. Just people helping people. Anyways, sausage rankings. So. I'm thinking about a I'm thinking about it as an actual sausage at a baseball game. That's how we're framing this, right? We're not framing this as what I'd throw in something for a dish, what I'd throw in as like ground. Um, it's just what I would eat as a as a a meat, as a casing meat. So I'm gonna go number one is a Polish. Polish sausages are vastly underrated. I think Polish sausages are great. I think they are so good. I think they're, you know, they have to be done right. Polish sausage, number one. Number one for me, if I can have a Polish sausage, I'm going for it. Number two, Packer Power Sweep. You gotta go hot dog. Just a regular ass hot dog is great. Vienna B. Franks being now the hot dog supplier for the Brewers, huge fucking win for us. That's great. You, you can never go wrong with hot dog. I don't care if you do ketchup. I don't care if you do mustard. I sometimes, I get a little frisky and go barbecue sauce on your hot dog. Don't sleep on that move. That's a good one. Uh, I just, I, I love a good hot dog. I, I will always, I will always like a good hot dog. So that's number two. Number three would go, I'll go brat. I will say that brats are a little overrated. They're just a touch overrated, Right? They're, they're great, okay? There's nothing wrong with a good brat on a hot day. But I, I don't think they are they should be at the top of the sausage food chain. Like, I, it's just a classic Germany-Poland thing, right? You, you've seen, we've seen it since World War II, really, that the Poles don't get this, the respect that the Germans do. And it's, it's unfair. And I know that I'm playing to a certain audience here, a few people that are listening to this and that will understand what I'm doing here. But I'm, I, I am true. It's true. Like Polish sausages should be held in the same regard as brats. Brats are good. I love brats with onions. Like you gotta, I have to do onions. I think that's one where ketchup sort of ruins the brat. Like I think a good Dijon on, on a brat, fucking perfect right? So I think brats are solid. I, I think they're always a good option, a good crack of a brat. It's nothing better, right? Just like cracking that. Number four, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Italian. And I, these last two, I will, I will caveat that. It's kind of like one of those things where I like them better, not as ballpark meals. Like I, I like a good Italian. If I if someone's like, oh, hey, we have Italians, and I just want to be a little bit different. I want to get my Tony Soprano on. 
I'll go have an Italian, right? But when I really like Italians is like when I can have it maybe on a bun, but maybe it's on like a hoagie roll. Maybe there's some provolone, maybe some molts, maybe some mozzarella, uh, some red sauce, some gravy, if you will, some peppers. Like I, I like to load that motherfucker up. Jardinera. Now Jardinera, regularly available, maybe sometimes, but I want to be able to dress that bitch up if we're if we're talking Italian sausages. So that's where if I'm I'm just thinking about it at a baseball game, that's why it's down the list. If I'm just talking about pure like how I use it everyday life and all the different like ground Italian sausage, like Italian sausage way up there. Way up there. So there that that to me at four, then at five, I'm gonna cheat, you go spicy sausage. What I mean by that? It could be chorizo. It could be a Hungarian. You don't always get blessed with the Hungarians. If you're unfamiliar with Hungarian sausage, let me put you on game. Great sausage. Usigers does it well. You got to be careful with Hungarians though because if you get a hot Hungarian and you're a pussy about spice like your boy is, no, I shouldn't say that. I, I like spice. I can't handle spice. So I guess that does make me a pussy. But I, it's not to say like I don't like like spice. So I, so I would probably opt for a chorizo if I had a choice. But chorizo it's the exact same conversation as the Italian. I want to dress that bitch up. I want to go sour cream. I might want to go with a little bit of salsa. I might want to go a little bit of lettuce. I, you know, maybe an avocado crema. Like, we want to go all out with our chorizo. We don't want to just stop at, a, at ketchup. Like, who's putting fucking ketchup on a chorizo, dog? And it really is a chorizo dog readily available. I don't know. So that's where I, I step in and I say, all right, there's that. All right, that does it for our show. I'm going to be wondering if I get feedback on that. Uh, probably up until Easter. Because I know what will happen. My father-in-law, he'll pick this one to listen to. And although it's about the Bucks, so he, he's not Bucks guy, so maybe he doesn't. But he'll be like, oh, heard you don't like to pull a sausage. I'll be like, ah, fuck. Uh, yeah, did say that. Uh, but anyways, I, it's not that I don't like it. It's just, it t- it's different. I don't know. Maybe I need, maybe my approach needs to be different. Maybe I need to change. All right gone on far too long another late long friday show hope you guys enjoyed it i had fun hope you guys did too we'll be back monday we'll uh recap the weekend for the brewers we'll have buck sixers talk and we'll we'll talk about anything else uh who knows uconn do we will have a national championship game that we can discuss i have my annual tailgating take that i'll i'll give out on on monday as well and yeah maybe it's some packer news who knows um and, and whatever else comes across the wire All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a good weekend. And if we see you around, again, I didn't even do it last week. I was like, oh, I'm going to take pictures of where I'm at so people know. So I'd be like, hey, can we come grab a beer if I'm around? Didn't do it last week. I'll try to do it this week. If if I forget, you can always chat me on Twitter and be like, hey, where are you? And I'll be like, yeah, I'll be here. Uh, Because I'm holding myself accountable to keeping you guys in the loop so you can come hang and have beers. All right, take care. Have a good one. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, See you Monday.